Hi there, and welcome to the Click IQ Academy podcast. The Click IQ Academy is a learning and resources hub for recruiters, shaping the future and featuring insights from the sharpest minds in the industry. I'm Alan Walker, and in this episode, I talk to the super talented Kasia Tang about building high performing recruitment teams. We also discuss diversity of thought, why hiring colleagues who challenge you is a good thing, and how building a truly candidate centric function will deliver great results. Hi, Kasia. Hi. Hi, Alan. How are you? Good. Really good. Thanks. You And you? Yeah, really well, thank you. It's great to talk to you. For those that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about who it is you are and what it is you do? Right, of course. Uh, I'm a sourcing trainer uh, with a past as a sourcer, uh, but uh, a little more focused on getting away from simply sourcing, simply finding candidates online and uh, helping teams reach more candidates in many different ways. So anything that a recruiter should be doing to get candidates, I'm, I'm there to help them learn it. Okay, excellent. And I know clearly a big part of being able to reach those candidates and find some of, some of the tools and techniques that those recruiters have. But also I, I, I understand a, a big part of it is also having the right team in place. And I, I understand you do a lot of work around that. So how important is it to get the team right and and what's your what's your approach and your learning over the years yeah I think um, it's an interesting thing because I kind of learned a little bit about it from running a community of uh, right now it's 4,000 recruiters in Poland Uh, so I think it's the biggest one Um, and interacting with all of them I think taught me uh, how different recruiters operate I think having the right team in place is the the very essence of recruiting success. Uh, and I think too few companies focus on this, really. Uh, we still hire for the skills that recruiters have, uh, but it's all about the mindset. Um, and I think the right mindset, the culture fit, I know it's very unpopular, but I'm going to insist. <laughs> it's, it's important that you have people on board who solve problems the way you want them to be solved, uh, which is what I would say culture fit is. Um, I think that is really important for uh, for making sure you bring the right candidates on board later on. And how does a, so how does a hiring manager, which would probably be a TA lead or a resourcing lead in the recruitment team, kind of ascertain what that culture fit is for their team because it can be very different from the wider organization's culture can't it yeah i think usually what i look at is uh what do people get uh, in trouble for and what do people get (laughs) praised for it's as simple as that you know because very often we say oh yeah we want people who are uh, really proactive but the truth is every single time someone is proactive uh they get in trouble and so that's really there's a problem between what we declare our culture to be and what it really is um i think the important thing is to to have a look at uh, what's been done in the past what happened in the past with uh, different team members and uh, take that as a learning lesson you can always change your culture but i think it's important to be honest with people who you are bringing on board uh, it's going to be difficult we've you know, we've tried to be more proactive, but it's not in our DNA just yet. So it's going to be uh, a challenge. Yeah, exactly. What are the what are the dangers of, of getting it wrong, do you think, in terms of having the wrong people in the wrong culture for them? 
Oh, it's very simple. They all leave. Uh, I've trained teams that I swear have like four months of experience as a team because the team would leave every single year and then a new team would arrive in place. Literally every single recruiting recruiter on the team would leave within one year. Uh, and the worst part is that when they are there during that year, they hire candidates who should not necessarily be hired because mm. people tend to attract uh, similar people, you know, like-minded people to themselves. And you're going to end up having access to the wrong candidate pool if you don't get the right recruiters on board. So what are, what are some of the things that a, a team can put in place then to ensure they do hire the right people for the right culture. So beyond going, yeah, this is our culture, this is how we understand it. How do they make sure that the individual coming in is right for that culture? Beyond just being honest, because sometimes you know people have a, a certain knack and a certain way of, of getting going through interviews, don't they? And then when they land, they're like, ah, okay, we made the right the wrong hire. How can they be <laughs> sure that they're hiring the right people? I honestly believe that if you are uh, honest enough about the situation within the company and you build uh, sort of a transparency around sharing that with your candidates, they will share in turn what they think will happen if they join the team. So I think people just being honest goes a long way. Um, I do think you're going to make mistakes, but from my experience, that's really important too. See, I've uh, I've only built one team uh, in my life, so it's it's funny talking about it. One team that I built myself. Um, and I just invited people to work with me that I thought had a lot to bring to the table in terms of their skill sets. I didn't necessarily feel very comfortable working with them. Um, I, we did have some history, but possibly not enough for me to say, yeah, I really like them. So we're going to mm. get on just fine. But it was the, the really different skill set that was important for me. And then they brought a whole new perspective uh, to the way I work. I've learned so much from them. And I think we need to be braver around who we get on our team to make sure that they challenge us. That's a really interesting point. Because I know we've we've talked about diversity before in the past. And, and when people mention diversity, normally it's kind of demographic diversity, isn't it? Race, yeah. religion, color, creed, ethnicity, sexual orientation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but actually, within teams, there's lots of lots of scientists say it's not about diversity of what people look like, sound like, etc., their gender. But it's actually diversity of thought is the is the t- is the kind of glue that really sticks teams together in terms of high, being high performing. Yeah, and I think the trouble with that is that it's not comfortable working together. Mm. I've just gone through uh, having detailed conversations with uh, with the people I work with um, to summarize what we've been doing so far and make plans for the new year. And believe me, these were not the most comfortable conversations I've ever had. They were not necessarily even very nice to have, but they were important. And in the mm. end, we do like working with each other. So. I think we need to push ourselves a little bit more. We tend to think that if we get along just fine with someone, we're going to work well together. Not necessarily. I think having someone 
make us uncomfortable and push us to to do what we do better and to see new perspectives and and to remember about everyone involved in the recruiting process that's the really important thing especially for recruiters because candidates are not necessarily like us uh, they can be very mm. different people so it's again there's going to be some tensions when interviewing candidates for example and that doesn't necessarily mean they're not right for the company it just means you know uh, at that point in time that conversation may have been difficult but that's all exactly and um I, I think i mentioned just before the call that i'd started reading a book by a guy called matthew saeed called rebel ideas and he's a huge proponent of of um and it's backed up by a whole heap of science as well that the best performing teams actually do have loads of people who are very different to each other they come from different backgrounds they're they're interested in different things they've been to different schools and universities they're in they've got different hobbies etc etc but actually when you pull them all together yes there are some kind of fuzzy lines where people might every so often kind of butt up against each other because they can't talk about the same football team or the same band that they're into or what yeah. or, or the same kind of fashion designer or whatever it might be that they're kind of that usually there is a link but actually that's completely blown away by the fact that they solve hugely complicated problems way more effectively because they're coming at things from so many different angles and when you when you hire a team that are all cut from the same cloth so to speak and they and their knowledge ends up overlapping each other's and their way yeah. of thinking ends up overlapping each other's so you only kind of tackle a small proportion of the problem space rather than kind of overlapping it there's some great um there's some great diagrams that kind of show this in a very visual way and it's it's amazing and they also talk about the dangers of having a really really strong dominant leader that everybody follows and it's a similar mm. problem you can bring all this diversity of thought and diversity of ideas in but if you have a very dominant leader who's a very much a it's my way or the highway kind of person however much they may pretend otherwise all of that amazing original thinking kind of gets pushed away because everybody goes back to the point of thinking of that dominant leader so it's it's a really interesting point i think team building is fascinating and i don't think we've always been great at it over the years um <laughs> generally because it, as you said very early on people often want to hire in their own image yes and because we very often hire recruiters with no uh past experience i mean when you hire people into an agency uh you just provide them with a phone right yeah. uh, no training so they they don't necessarily learn to do things the right way but you also don't let them question how things are done. Uh, this is very visible in Poland and how recruiters are trained. Um, they might get some sourcing training, they might get some recruiting training, but in the end, they are very much trained to just do what they're told. So you end up having a lot of people who are not assertive enough about um, their ideas and they don't, you know, they don't challenge you at all. I kind of have the opposite uh, problem, I guess, with <laughs> uh, my team, where everyone feels they need to be challenging me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a nice problem to have, to be honest, because we have so many good ideas on board. And then whenever I come up with a crazy idea that we really should not be focusing on, they are, <laughs> you know, they will just call me on it. They'll just say, this, this is silly. Uh, let's not do it. And that's the stuff that fosters innovation. 
Um, you don't you don't come up with new ideas and solve big complicated problems by everybody agreeing with each other on things. Exactly. You, you solve them by challenging each other. As you say, it's it's sometimes uncomfortable. It sometimes makes people feel awkward. It sometimes makes people dread going into meetings. But actually, once you start to realise that people aren't being awkward for the sake of being awkward, they're being different because they've got different ideas and, and they want to table those ideas and they everybody eventually starts to get used to challenging each other and um and then you start to see the benefits of it and that's when you start to see an organization really kind of move the dial you can get you can set up a very fine average performing organization following the same processes bringing everybody in and everyone following those same processes but you're not going to create a great organization that way and you're always going to have the problems of turnover or lack of creativity yeah. lack of innovation aren't you Definitely. I really agree with that. And this is unfortunately what I see most of the time. Uh, I see people trying to be nice to each other just to make sure, you know, everyone is happy coming to work. I don't think this is necessarily what makes people happy coming to work. Um, avoiding conflict is not very fruitful uh, no. for recruiting teams. No, exactly, exactly. And, and it might seem nice on a day-to-day -day basis, but actually when you then look back at your career, have I done anything interesting? Have I done anything that's genuinely moved the dial? Have I done anything creative, innovative, exciting? Have I achieved things that other people haven't been able to? If you're, all you're in is an environment where everybody nods their head and goes, you're amazing. Oh, no, you're amazing. <laughs> you're more amazing. We're all amazing. Then it's unlikely that that kind of stuff is going to happen. Oh, yeah. This reminds me, um, when I started working in sourcing, uh, my entire team was based in the UK. And they would always say, you're a star. And for the first year, I thought I was so good. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's just a thing they said, though. I didn't realize at the time. Yeah, it can't go too far the other way. You don't want to be in an environment <laughs> where everyone's kind of criticizing each other and kind of breaking each other down and it becomes toxic. But there is that balance, isn't yeah. there, in the middle where people are open and honest and it's done in a humane way and it's done in a way where actually the reason people are doing it, it's not it's not one-upmanship, it's not trying to get something over in another individual, it's about help trying to help each other be the very best they possibly can. Yeah, and I think we generally have this issue. We don't necessarily learn debating at school, not the way I think we should be doing this at work. Um, it shouldn't be too politically correct. But you also have to remember, you should never attack another person, right? Exactly. It's all about the ideas. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think we've practiced this enough uh, in today's society. So we kind of try to just not do it at all and just be all nice and smiley and uh, do silly things because no one challenges us on what we're doing. I was reading um, another piece around the way Amazon, I don't know whether they still do this, but the way they used to do meetings before every meeting, whoever was hosting the meeting and uh, had their proposal to get on the table or their presentation to deliver or whatever it was, whatever idea they were trying to get over the line, they had to present all of the attendees with a, I think it was like a two-page write-up of their, their thought process, what they wanted to achieve, and any data that they wanted to back that up with prior mm. to the meeting. And everybody had to read that and then come back with their... And, and immediately before the person who was doing the presenting kicked off the meeting, everybody had to give their thoughts on that kind of two-pager. And what that did, it's got people with ideas instantly out in the open and on the table and made it less about the individual and purely about the idea. And I thought that was, that was, that was a really interesting point. 
And another yeah. one was where um, organisations so they they've had meetings. Um, then everybody, rather than verbalising their thoughts about ideas, concepts, whatever, they all had to write them down on a, on a mm-hmm. piece of paper and then pin yeah. them on the board. But they were completely anonymised. Mm-hmm. And um, so there wasn't any preference given over to the most senior person's ideas or, the, or less preference given to the most junior person's. All of those ideas were kind of put up on the board and, and they were just worked through without anyone knowing yeah. who had written them. And that also fostered great kind of teamwork because everybody felt that they were being valued. Yeah, definitely agree with that. And I think I also remember that example from a couple of books. I don't believe in brainstorming because it is the loudest person in the room, yeah. uh, you know, getting through with all of their ideas. But at the same time, I kind of enjoy looking at people learning to speak up. Um, this has been sort of my mission. It sounds very serious. Um, <laughs> but like I said, in Poland, recruiters are taught not to speak up and just do what they're told. And so um, a couple of years back when I was setting up the community, I thought I would love if people did that a little bit more. I used to do that. I would get in trouble for it. Um, And so I I would leave the company. But a lot of people just, you know, stop sharing their opinions. And the funny thing is, the side effect is that when I organize um, my meetups, people will now speak up. Uh, what this means is mostly they will speak up about the meetup. <laughs> so they come in with very strong ideas around what they want uh, yeah. from the event. And um, it it was, a, well, I had a hard time learning to deal with all of the constructive feedback that I would get. Um, so it's a constant, you know, it's a journey, right? Uh, you constantly have to um, learn to live with the consequences of, encouraging that uh that exchange that's that's a really good point because you could get into the situation where you've got loads of people in a room who basically are just shouting at each other because there's somebody who wants to give some constructive (laughs) feedback and there's somebody who can't receive constructive feedback and doesn't take it the right way and that um and that learning is probably as important as being able to stand up and say your point isn't it it's being able to take those points on on board without taking it as a kind of personal criticism yeah, and without necessarily crying all night, which yep. I guess was the first stage for me. Um, <laughs> but I'm over that now. <laughs> well, people get attached to things, don't they? People and they start yeah. to look on them as their baby, so to speak. So if they've come up with an idea or run an event or whatever it might be, and then somebody to them is criticizing them, it's almost like somebody walking in the room and going, "God, your baby's ugly." You're gonna people get defensive, <laughs> and uh, you need to have that kind of emotional disattachment uh, away yeah. from things that are not not babies, <laughs> basically, <laughs> where you don't need to be but, defensive. It's a work thing, ultimately. You know, it's more like uh, I think uh, your baby would look better wearing a hat or whatever, right? <laughs> I mean, because it's not because it's not necessarily saying, "Oh, this is this is awful." But it's more saying, uh, yeah, I think we can do this better. And then you get defensive because you put so much of your effort into it and you've done your best. You think at least that you've done your best. Um, And so you get defensive uh, rather than accepting that and saying, you know what, that's great. I'm going to try that next time. And I think recruiters especially have to learn this because in the end, just like for me, uh, running a community, it's not for myself 
it is for the people in the community. Mm. And I absolutely love hearing them say our group rather than yeah, your nice. group. Um, I think for recruiters, whatever they do is not about them. It's about the candidates, right? And they have to keep candidates uh, in mind, whatever they do. Um, and if they get feedback from candidates, very often I feel they get too defensive and they don't necessarily take it on board, uh, whereas that's the job. Absolutely. And uh, people often talk about being kind of candidate centric. What does that really mean? And what, what can companies do to get better at it, do you think? I think very often what I see is uh, recruiting teams coming up with uh, cool recruitment campaigns inside a room uh, with closed doors and they don't ask anyone uh, about their opinions. Uh, I think a recruiter should mostly talk to their candidates, not other recruiters. Mm. Um, and that includes people within your company, uh, your current employees, that includes people in the market, uh, and that involves having a lot of often uncomfortable conversations again because you're going to hear things that you don't necessarily uh, like uh, and maybe some things that are not entirely positive about your company or your process but if you constantly work on incorporating that feedback into whatever you do uh, simply put if you concentrate on recruitment actions that you do not like yourself, but your candidates would like, that's all that it takes to be candidate-centric. Now, it sounds very simple, um, <laughs> but it is a lot of work. And um, and I find that, you know, maybe having a, a candidate persona on the wall helps a little yeah. bit. Um, having someone remind you, oh, this is silly. I don't like this at all. Uh, every now and then. <laughs> So every single candidate who replies to your um, to your recruiting message that says, I don't like this or this is silly, um, that helps you, uh, you know, be more candidate centric. Yeah, exactly. You don't learn much from everybody going, you're amazing, do you? You learn more from people going, oh, I didn't like this. This wasn't quite right. It doesn't feel right, etc. That's how you learn. And whether it's yeah. whether it's building that candidate-centric approach or your team or your process or whatever, that's where you're going to get the real learning from. It was really um, another interesting thing. I saw, I'm judging the in-house recruitment awards over here in the UK this year. I'm one of the judges anyway. And mm -hmm. um, one of the entrants had got has got a dedicated candidate champion. And that's all they okay. do. That's all their job is. So it's a, it's a large recruitment team. So not every recruitment team can afford to have this. Uh, but it's yeah. a large team. And, and all of they care about is basically the candidate experience within that team. And um, I think small teams can replicate that in some way, shape or form. But by, just as you say, having that at the centre of their thinking and make it everybody's job. But it's a, yeah. it's a fascinating, fascinating subject. Because, again, recruiters are rarely like the people they're trying to hire. If you're a yeah. if you're a recruiter, you're probably not going to have the same persona as a developer or a CTO or even head of sales or head of customer service. So just because, as you say, somebody likes something that the crazy recruitment team have come up with around marketing, chances are that landing with the audience is very slim. And yeah. marketing teams in businesses for years have got this, you know, proper marketing teams, not recruitment marketing teams. They understand this. They don't go, oh, I'm a marketeer, so I know somebody in finance is going to love this advert we're going to put out. They know that they yeah. go out and talk. Don't they? It's, it's listening to the customer, which is what candidates in essence are when you're a recruiter. You're out there finding you know those what? people. I'll have to say, 
looking at the ads in the UK, I'm going to challenge whether marketers really know what they're doing. <laughs> but um, oh, I wasn't. I no, know. I wasn't meaning recruitment marketers know what they're doing. I mean normal no, marketers. I mean, <laughs> oh, I do mean the normal ones. Yeah. Um, oh, do you? <laughs> some of the adverts in the UK, I find really puzzling. I can't believe someone's getting paid. <laughs> that. Um, but, uh, but I think it's again you know like it's it's a lot of constant work um, but you, you have to have the right goals I guess uh, and funnily enough I was judging um, uh, employer branding awards in Poland this year uh, in a couple of categories one of them was candidate experience mm. and uh, only one company had a goal around candidate experience. Um, that was the first thing they had to say. What is the goal of your campaign? And most of them just said, uh, "Oh, I want to hire fifty people." Right. That is that has nothing to do with candidate experience. And we ended up not giving away any prizes. Uh, oh wow! Just because, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good thing actually. This happened because we all need to tra- challenge ourselves. And and if your ultimate goal is not to make your candidates happy, then it's not a candidate experience initiative, is it? No, exactly, exactly. So just to, just out of interest then, if you told all the entrants in that category that you're not giving the award away? Yeah, yeah, yeah well, so it was publicly announced that this one category has no winners. Um, that's and fine. hopefully that's, yeah, I, I hope it's going to result in better entries next year, you know. Well, going back to what we were saying earlier in the conversation about challenging people and challenging ideas and actually if you don't do those things, people things don't improve and there's no innovation, that's kind of spot on. They hit the nail on the head. That will hopefully <laughs> at least in some small organizations, it's because the light bulb comes on, they'll go, ah, we need to get better at that. Or they'll just hate you for criticizing their baby. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll see we'll see what happens with that. Exactly. Kasia, listen, wonderful. That was that was great. Thanks so much for your time. I've had a really good time chatting away to you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. No problem at all. See you soon. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Big thanks to you for listening and a big thanks to Kasia for talking to us about building recruitment teams. Everything we've discussed today can be found at academy.clickiq.co.uk and any questions or feedback can be sent to hello at clickiq.co.uk.